Let's just pray together. Let's just ask for God to be with us at this moment. Our gracious, loving God, we give you thanks for today. We give you thanks for family, for friends, for people that we know and new people that we meet. Lord, may you open up your word found in the Bible today. May we understand it and may we claim it as our own. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Amen. So today, we're, going, we're carrying on in what's our fifth week in a series that we've been running, which is called I Am Not Ashamed. And it's actually a look at the book of Romans. Now, within the, book of the, within the Bible, there's many different books. They're broken up into books uh, written in different periods of time throughout history. And Romans is actually a letter to the early church in Rome written by the Apostle Paul. And we've been looking at it and one of the things, one of the opening statements that the writer of this book says, the Apostle Paul says, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It's an incredibly powerful statement. And it's one that we thought we would really like to claim for ourselves, that we are not ashamed of the gospel. That means that we're not ashamed of Jesus Christ. We're not ashamed of the message that Christ brought, which is reconciliation back to God, our Father. We're not ashamed to actually stand up and say that, yes, we are a follower of Christ. We follow in the ways. We, we have a pattern of behaviour that we do. And over the weeks, we have um, invited people who were willing to do that. And you can actually see some of the images up on the screen at the moment of people who were willing to stand up and say, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of my faith. I'm not ashamed of who I am. This week, I took my own picture off and I put these guns back up on. So it wasn't just me staring at you on the screens, but it's members from this congregation. Now, there are more of them. I just thought we'd just have a few. But it's really important for us to actually be willing to say that we are a Christian, willing to say what we believe in. It's a positive statement. And it's one that we celebrate when we do baptisms as well, isn't it? Because it's actually coming up and giving thanks to God for the birth of your child and asking, can I have a special relationship with God, with my child? We ask the questions, do you repent of your sins? Do you believe in Jesus Christ? These are important statements. These are, I am not ashamed of the gospel statements. See, as Christians, we understand that we are saved, not through our actions, but through the actions of Jesus Christ. And this is the saving grace of God. It is the unmerited grace of God. In other words, God gave it to us, and it wasn't from anything that we did. Now, this week in our, in our message series, I'm going to be talking about how even if people challenge your faith, even if people question your belief, even if people say, I don't believe it, and there may even be people here today that are saying exactly that, I don't believe it, I don't believe in Jesus Christ, I don't believe in Christianity, even if people are saying that, it doesn't change the fact that God has a plan of salvation for the whole world for to bring creation back into relationship with its maker. That doesn't change anything 
What we say about Jesus doesn't change the fact that God has already saved us through the action of Jesus Christ. Now, this is a kind of big statement, and it could be really deep and philosophical and theological, and I could get into those questions, but I don't want to do that. I want to leave that for far smarter people than me. Um, But I don't want to get into that debate. But rather, I want to make it personal. I want to actually bring it close to us. I want to ask you the question, do you believe that God's plan of salvation can change your life? Do you believe God's plan of salvation can change your life? What more personal question could you ask? Is this for your life? You know, I'm going to put up on a piece of screen. We're we're into Romans chapter 7 and we're going to look at verse 15 here and I'm going to put up this question. I don't really understand myself. So this this is in scripture here. I don't understand myself for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Have you ever done that in your life? You know, have you ever done exactly what Scripture's just saying here? You know, you know what, how to behave in a certain situation, except you don't behave that way. You know what the law of the land is, except you break it. Let, 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 let me just not do the really big stuff. Let's just go simple. Has anybody ever been on a diet before? Anybody, you know, the doctor said to you, you need to lose a few pounds or kilograms or whatever they were talking about? Somebody's saying no. Everybody's going no, but never had it, so nobody's ever wanted to lose weight. Anybody, you know? See, the thing about it is, say if you're, you're meant to have lost weight, and you know that you're meant to eat healthy, um, and you look in the cupboard, and there's a box of shapes there, or a block of chocolate, or you're down the road and hot chips smell nice. Is anybody feeling hungry? And you know you're not meant to eat it because it's not good for you. You know that if you eat it, you'll break your diet. But what do you do? You eat it. So even though you understand what you should be doing, even though you know what needs to be done to change, you still don't do it. You do what you hate. You do the thing that brings you something bad in your life. See, I love the way the New Living Translation puts it, I really don't understand myself. It's a really great phrase, and I don't really understand myself. I know what to do, but I just don't do it. I do what I hate. Have you thought about it, the way you live, that often the things that you do are actually the things that you shouldn't be doing? Let me me just throw in a bit more scripture for you. Continuing on in Romans chapter 7. And we can carry on for verse 21. I've discovered the principle of life. That's a really good big statement, isn't it? I've discovered the principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. What a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. So what are some of the things that is God's law? You know, most of us would probably know what the law of the land is. You know, that you're not meant to... um, 
kill people, you're meant to drive in the speed limits, you're meant to, you know, um, all those kind of things that you have that are written down in law. But what's God's law? Anybody ever heard of the Ten Commandments? Yeah, yeah. Does anybody know what they might be? You shall have no other God before me. In other words, God is the only God. There's no other God. You know, football, it is the grand final weekend, isn't it? For all the codes of football. But so often we put other things in front. You'll have no other God before me. You shall not make idols. You shall not take the name of God in vain. And that's a really difficult one for a lot of people. And we like to swear and cuss and all those kind of things. And I'm not, I'm not going to say, I don't want to be a rabble rouser. You know, it's really funny being a minister, you know, because people swear and they go, oh, damn, I did it again. And then they swear in the process of apologising that they've sworn and then they swear again. And they go, I go, hang on, I've heard more worse things out of grandma than out of you. But it's okay. But it's, it's, it's actually taking the Lord's name in vain. In other words, it's not ascribing the greatness of God to who God really is. It's dragging God down. Remember the Sabbath day and we're here to keep the day holy. That doesn't mean keep the day doing nothing, but keep it holy. Remember the purpose. Remember who your maker and salvation, where it comes from. Recommit yourself. I love this one. Honour your father and mother. It's an important one for us to remember. Get into some of the biggies here. You should not murder, not commit adultery, don't steal. So there's some big things there. Anybody, I won't ask, anybody broken those ones? But see, you also shall not bear false witness against your neighbour. That's actually a really, really big one. You know, don't tell a lie against your neighbour. Don't say that they've done something wrong when they haven't. Be honest and be truthful. And then I think the last one is probably one of the really biggest. Do not covet what other people have. And in other words, be happy with where you are in life because so often you want more and more and more and that drives you to what? If you can't get it, what happens? You may want to be tempted to actually go out and murder, to commit adultery, to steal, to get the things that you don't currently have. Now, we, I don't want to leave it just in the Old Testament, just in the, the law of Moses, the Ten Commandments there. I just want to bring it a little bit closer to, to us. And, you know, Jesus was questioned. Um, what was the greatest law of Moses? Let me, let me put it up on the screen for you. It comes from Matthew 22. Teacher, what is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? So they wanted to really nail him down. They wanted to trick him. And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God, with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. Now, that's a pretty amazing and big statement. Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind, your whole, your very being, everything that you are. And this is the first and greatest commandment and a second is equally important. Love your neighbour as yourself. It's so important. Love your neighbour as yourself. The entire law, everything that you see there, and all the demands of the prophets, everything, all of the law that is found in the Old Testament is based upon these two commands, to love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and to, and to actually love your neighbour as yourself. Important. Challenging. See, the thing is, and I just want to, I want to give it to you here, 
We, we talk about sin a lot. Well, actually, we don't talk about sin a lot. A lot of people do talk about sin, but we don't talk about sin a lot because we don't want to make you feel uncomfortable. But see, our sinful nature is when we place ourselves above everything else. See, when we place ourselves above everything else, we're placing ourselves above God, we're placing ourselves above father and mother, we're placing ourselves above um, our neighbours. It's, it's all about me. And see, this is really one of the biggest issues that we have within our world, within our Western society at the moment, isn't it? It is really pushing us to say that we are the ones that are owed everything. We're the ones that, it's all about me. It's the cult of the individual at the moment. Look out for number one at the expense of everything else. Hang the relationships. Forget about the world around us. Forget about the people that we love because we just want more and more. I hate to say it, but this is where drugs take us. It's about your individual experience, about me getting the best possible high and who cares about everybody else. That is actually what it means when we talk about our sinful natures, placing our wants and desires above everybody and everything else and above God. But you know what? There's one great thing. And see, Romans 7 challenges us to see that we, that we fall short of God's glory. And then Romans 8 comes in, which is the next chapter in the book of Romans. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. So in other words, there's no condemnation for those who have professed and claimed Jesus Christ. Those who have come by baptism, those who have professed Jesus Christ in, their, in faith and saying, I believe in Jesus Christ. Because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit that freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So in other words, we try to fulfill the law, but because of our nature, looking for the number one in ourselves, we don't get to the point of being ever truly fulfilling the law. Our sinful nature, our wanting the most for ourselves and not everybody else, drags us down. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son, that is Jesus Christ, in a body like the bodies we, we sinners have. He came in human flesh. In human flesh and blood, lived in history, lived within the world, did the same things that we did. And that body, in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son, that is Jesus Christ, as a sacrifice for our sins. See, in the Old Testament, the way that you made, were made right was that you needed to present a sacrifice. And Jesus did that once and for all, for all of us. It is, it is the power that we have. It is the power that we know that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Saviour. It is the power that sets us free. See, if we go a bit further into Romans 8, and see, Romans is one of those foundational documents within the church. It, it describes our theology, describes our understanding about God and who we are and how we're meant to live. Sometimes not in particularly easy language, but it, it, it does it for us. What shall you say about such wonderful things 
as these. If God is for us, then who can be against us? So if God is for us, who can be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? It's an important question because I don't know about you, but have you ever been in a time when people actually say, I don't believe in Jesus Christ? This is, this is the whole point. You know, I don't believe in church. I don't believe in religion. I don't believe in all of this stuff. You know, I, it just doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't mean just because you face opposition that it is not true, that salvation and plan of God is not going to be a part of everybody's life just because you may not believe it because somebody else may not say it. If God is for us, then who can be against us? Paul goes on to say that if there's opposition to your faith in Jesus, even if this opposition does not, even in this opposition, it does not change the fact that Jesus died for our sins. It doesn't change the fact that Jesus paved a way to make us right with God. That nothing will change this. No opposition will change the facts. And I love this piece here from Romans 8.38. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love that is found in Jesus Christ. God's love found in Christ. We celebrate it here in the baptism of Lachlan, God's love. Just as Jesus was baptised and washed clean of sins, not that he needed to be washed clean of sins, but he did it and we do it in a representation as well. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears of today nor our worries about tomorrow, none of that, not even all of the powers of hell can separate us from what? From God's love. Last week, our moderator, Simon Hansford, was talking about the unmerited grace of God. In other words, even if we do not feel right, God was not ashamed of you. God loves you so much that he gave Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And we celebrate that. See, this is the nature of grace. God has done it for us, even though we may not deserve it. We really cannot find the hope of our saving grace outside of Jesus Christ. This marvellous display and gift of grace is found in Christ. And the thing is, no matter how bad we think we are, there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. You know, even if we feel ourselves that we feel bad, that we feel upset or that we may not be a part, you know, good enough, you may have come in today wondering whether the building was going to fall down because, well, I'm a sinner. And do you know how many times I've heard that? When people go, oh, I couldn't come in, possibly come in, the building's going to fall down. You know, the, the fact is, God's love is for everybody. God's grace is for everybody. We can't work our way to it. That's what... Paul is saying, you can't work your way through it to the law because we have within inside of us this sinful nature of wanting to place ourselves above everybody else. But God has given us a way to be right, and that is through Jesus Christ. 
So I just want to pray with you today. I just want to ask your blessing upon, God's blessing upon us today. So let's just pray together. And let's just ask that God may be with us, that God may be blessing us, and that God may be drawing us closer because we cannot draw ourselves into heaven. Only God can. So let's just pray. Loving, gracious God, we give you thanks for today. We give you thanks that within the word found within the Bible, that it challenges us to look beyond ourselves, our own wants, our own needs, and challenges us to step up and claim Jesus Christ as our own personal saviour. But more than that, as the saviour of the whole world. May we today ask that our Lord Jesus Christ be our God, be our Saviour, change our lives, renew us. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Saviour. Amen.